Hello everybody and welcome to the Mirror Football Podcast. It has been another eventful week as far as English football is concerned. Liverpool are all but into the Champions League final. Or are they? I say Roma have started something of a comeback after going 5-0 down at Anfield. Also, Arsene Wenger has obviously announced that he's leaving Arsenal and that story has moved on a bit. And we're going to be talking all about that. We're going to be talking all about the Champions League. We're going to be talking about Manchester United versus Arsenal this weekend and plenty more on this podcast. I'm Aaron Flanagan and joining me to do so this week is Thomas Bristow. Tom, how are you doing? Hello, yeah, good, you? I'm very good, thank you. I really appreciate you coming on. And Ibrahim Mustafa, you're back. I'm back, I'm back indeed. Hi Aaron, how are you? Yeah, so, uh, both of you have not been on the podcast for uh, a good few weeks now. So uh, n- nice to have you back. I've, I've, not, I've, not, I've not been purposely like omitting you from the... Starting thing is personal. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I, th- I thought I thought I'd better drag you back down. Also, you didn't you didn't think so? Is um, it just because no one else was in? Really? Is I'm, that why we're here? I mean, yeah, the the office isn't the most full today, but um, but no, I'm happy to have you. I, I mean that. I'm genuinely happy to have you. Uh, we'll start with the Champions League. Um, we'll start with Tuesday night, Liverpool uh, against Roma. Um, let's be honest. I thought Liverpool were going to win, but narrowly. I genuinely thought. Well, I believe your prediction was one nil. My prediction was 1-0 and it wasn't going to be the goal fest that everybody predicted. Um, okay, I was wrong. And I'm glad I was wrong because, I mean, what a, watch, what a performance from Liverpool. It was. It was. Um, I, it surprised me. I, I mean, I, they, Liverpool keeps surprising me. I think, you know, they've got a great team. Salah, he keeps surprising me. I just don't know how he keeps doing it week in, week out. It's, it's incredible. Staggering, I think is a better word. Um, and Liverpool... They keep scoring. They keep attacking. They, uh, you know, you think they might get phased by these big occasions, but they don't. And they they go and hammer a team five nil or five two, five nil up, obviously, in the semi-finals of the Champions League. I think they might have got a little bit complacent towards the end. I think the penalty was harsh as well, um, but they definitely stepped off the gas a little towards the end. But the, the way they perform is amazing. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Mo Salah um, at the start of that, and obviously. I don't know what we can say about Mo Salah that has not already been said because, I mean, he's just an unbelievable talent. Um, did we ever expect that he would hit those heights in, in kind of in at this point of the, the season at, in the Champions League semi-final? It's, it's just... I, I think anybody who thought Salah would be as good as he's been this season when Liverpool signed him back in the summer is a liar. You know, nobody expected him to hit the heights that he has he's surprised everyone he's probably even surprised Liverpool who signed him thinking okay we've got a decent player on our hands here but they would not have expected him to be posting the kind of gold numbers that he has done and to perform at that high level on Tuesday it was not only did he score goals he was setting up in the second half he was laying them on a plate the balls into the box were so dangerous they look so basic you know he's found that space on that side getting the better defenders and then just putting it into that, you know, the cliched corridor of uncertainty for his teammates to just like clean up. And it was, it was so impressive to watch and an an outstanding performance that, you know, it is quite too soon to suggest he's on the level of sort of Ronaldo and Messi. But if either of those players put in those kind of performances into the semi-finals of the Champions League, we'd be just, well, singing the same sort of praises that we're singing to Mo Salah now. Yeah, absolutely. I I think the other thing as well is I'm not saying this is the reason for it. There was definitely a shift in the game when he came off. It was obvious. Roma scored two goals. Now, I'm not saying that's clearly because Salah was off the pitch, but it was almost like Roma could breathe again. They could actually 
every time you got the ball, they, I think they were terrified. Yeah, ultimately it would. I mean, even at 5-0 down, um, it did, you know, potentially galvanise Roma. They did think that they could have probably thought to themselves, given the nature of Salah's performance, that, OK, we don't have that to deal with mm. at that point. And yeah, Liverpool 5-0 up and there was no reason for them not to take him off at that point. So it's not to say that Klopp was wrong to take him off, but it did, it, such is the impact he had on the game that Roma did think once he's gone off, we can actually start playing football now because we don't have to co- deal with Mo Salah anymore. I say the, the thing that with Salah, I think, in that performance that really, I mean, for me was the highlight moment was his second goal, obviously, the, the little dink of the goalkeeper, but his first touch, the composure to put it out of his feet, there was only one place he could have really dragged the ball out of his feet to give him such an opportunity and he just did it and he's so calm when he does it. Mm. He's just like... He, he just doesn't look phased and like he's panicking or snatching at anything. Yeah. He's just on a completely different level, I, I mean, think, mentally as well as... As soon as he got onto the end of that pass, you knew he was going to score. You just knew it. You know, there's so many players you see in that position and you hope they score, expect they're going to score, maybe. But with Salah, it was just like, well, this is in. You thought, as soon as he got the ball, this is in. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you've ever been through on goal before, even if this is a 5 side or Sunday league, but it all seems to happen so quick. This man seems like he's got Berlin's watch or something. Like he's just slowing down time, and and he knows exactly what he's going to do with it. I just what he can do in that short amount of time is incredible. And as for his feet, as you said, there was that goal against Watford earlier in the season where somehow there were about four players around him, and he he still managed to just poke in the goal from nowhere. It was his feet are exceptional. There's yeah. no there's no denying that. Yeah. Um. I say uh, b- before we move on from Salah, um, because obviously. I'm sure there'll be Man United listeners at the moment who will be thinking, oh, shut up, we're fed up of hearing about Mo Salah because it's all that we'll have heard about all week. Um, I, I, we said earlier, premature, putting him in the level of Messi and Ronaldo, but if he carries on this form, he's got to be in the reckoning for Ballon d'Or come the end of 2018. Surely? I, I said earlier in the week that if he wins the Champions League, I think trophies are very important to the Ballon d'Or because we saw that with Cristiano Ronaldo when he uh, won it the last couple of seasons, partly because um guiding Portugal to the Euros and the Champions League successes he's had with Real Madrid. Um, but if Salah wins the Champions League with Liverpool, he is in with a very, very strong shout. The only thing that might deny him that is the World Cup. If Messi won the World Cup with Argentina or, Port- or Ronaldo led Portugal to the World Cup, I think it would probably go to them. Yeah, let's say, um, away let's say from Salah, Roma did have a bit of a fight back. They've got two goals back. Mm. All they've got to do now is exactly what they did to Barcelona. And when you put it on paper like that, you, you kind of go, oh, if they did it to Barcelona, they can do it to Liverpool. Um, is it game on? Is it is? Should Liverpool be be nervous at all going into the second leg? Um, you say, uh, the thing is, when you look at it like that, you'd say uh, all Roma have to do is what they did against Barcelona. But similarly, you'd say Liverpool, when they faced Man City, everyone thought, OK, if City come out, City score early, then Liverpool could be in trouble. And... Well, that happened, but Liverpool weren't in trouble, actually. Liverpool just managed to navigate their way through. So you can look at it from both angles. If Roma do what they did, can do what they do against Barcelona, what if Liverpool do what they did against City? They should be fine. So, yeah. Um, predictions then for the, the second leg of, the, of this one. Uh, Ibra, how do you see it going? Um, I'm going to say it's going to be a draw out there. I think maybe two all. I think Roma will actually go for it and try and get something out of the game and possibly will score first. But I think Liverpool... They have goals in them, don't they? So yeah. I think they'll get what they need to go through. So, Tom? Roma haven't conceded a single goal at home in the Champions League this season. 
Um, I know those stats mean nothing. On that, actually, quickly to quickly interrupt, that surprises me given how badly they defended on Tuesday against mm. Liverpool. I mean, Fazio, Manolas, and um, who's the third centre-back? Juan Jesus. They were so bad. They were all over the place. There was no structure, no organisation, and no protection from their midfield. Strootman and the Ross, the game just passed them by. And it was really, really surprising to see them play that badly and know that they actually can be quite a solid defensive structure. So, yeah, love. Yeah. You can carry on. <laughs> Sorry, thank you. Uh, round over. Uh, I'm going to go for a boring nil-nil. Boring nil-nil. You're going to follow my lead I, and say that Liverpool and Roma are going to play a boring game. <laughs> I think that uh, Roma will come and try and hit Liverpool, but Liverpool's style of play will probably neutralise that and stalemate. Yeah, so we're going for well, we're going for two draws then mm. from you yeah. guys. I'll be honest, I can probably see the same uh, as well. I I can't see Roma repeating what they did against Barcelona personally. Uh, that was not the only semi final this week anyway. Um, last night or Wednesday night, uh, Bayern Munich against Real Madrid. Real Madrid came from behind to win two one. Two very very valuable away goals. Real Madrid they just don't really. I mean, they, they keep don't, finding a way. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. They keep finding a way because that first half of the game, until Marcelo, I mean, super volley mm-hmm. to level it, Bayern were well on top. Bayern were the better team, controlling the game, but yet Real Madrid won the game. I think that's exactly what they do in the Champions League. They find a way. Zidane knows that his future as Real Madrid boss probably hinges on the competition itself this season. La Liga's gone. Copa del Rey's obviously gone. Um but if he was to become the manager who won the Champions League three times in a row, I think he he would go down in history. Do you know what I mean? He probably already has, given his feats, but it would also secure his job for the next season. And I think there would be a bigger <clears throat> summer plan in place. They probably need new recruitment. By the by, they found a way to get it done. Um, and his shrewd management, to be fair, paid off because um, even Bale on the bench worked. Um, playing Asensio, putting him on a half time for Isco. Uh, worked, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, they keep finding a way. Yeah. I, I would just quickly say from a, from a personal perspective, you mentioned the the team selection. He put Lucas Vazquez in the starting lineup, and I I looked at the lineup and went, well, "What are you doing? Like, how can you justify putting him in ahead of Bale, Benzema, whatever?" But I thought he was absolutely superb, Vazquez, and not just offensively, defensively. He was always working his backside off to get back and defend and. Obviously, Zidane, I think, got, got it right. Yeah, I think um, sort of psychologically, psychology plays a huge part in what happened last night because Real Madrid, they just now they just don't believe that they're going to lose, are they? They they think the Champions League is their competition, it's their tournament, and when it comes down to these games, they know that they'll all, like you say they always find a way, and they always think they're going to find a way. And on the flip side of that, Bayern Munich, as much as they were on top. I don't think there was enough sort of conviction and belief in their play to think that actually they could actually build up a lead or, you know, after taking the lead, build on that to beat Real Madrid. I mean, obviously, I think injuries played their part as well. Those two massive injuries for Bayern early on completely changed their game. Losing Robin, obviously, as an attacker, but then also losing Barting as a centre-back, you have to. no one's expecting to restructure their defensive line in a game of that size. And... Well, you know, if Boateng's on the pitch, does Marcelo even score that goal? As good as it was, yeah, yeah? does he score it? So. No, no, absolutely. Um, really intriguingly poised, I say for the for the second leg. You know, Bayern are not going to back down, even though they've got two away goals against the name. And you saw how Real Madrid capitulated 
against Juventus before eventually scraping through with a um, with a penalty uh, right at the end. Um, just quickly on Zidane, a point you mentioned, Tom. Um, it will. You said it, winning the Champions League would probably secure his job for next season. Interestingly enough, obviously in the opposing dugout was Jupp Heynckes of Bayern Munich, who in 1998 won the Champions League as Real Madrid manager, but finished fourth in La Liga and got sacked. Real Madrid this year, or they might still maybe scrape second ahead of Atletico, but finishing third in Champions League, is, is it enough to keep his job? When obviously Real Madrid have a history um, against a man who he's up against now, um, who got sacked in for doing something very, very similar. I think, as Tom mentioned, though, three in a row, I think I don't think you can sack him. I mean, that doesn't mean they won't, <laughs> but I think... You know, that should be enough credit in the bank for him to keep his job, regardless of whether they finish second or third or even fourth in the Liga. I think if he wins the Champions League again, which is that because that's the thing that they, they adore more than anything else in Madrid, isn't it? Yeah. So he's done that if he does that three in a row, it'd be absolutely insane to sack him. Yeah. Um, are we all expecting Real Madrid to then go through, see, see off the job now? Uh, I do. Um, I, think, I think they'll probably learn from their Juventus scare, as, as you called it. Um, and I think they'll probably put in a professional job. I can probably see Ronaldo scoring a couple, maybe 2-0. 2-0. Yeah. Ibra still with Real going through? Um, I think Bayern can win. I think they can definitely turn this around. Um, but again, it's that thing, like we say, Real Madrid, they seem to always find a way. I mean, you look at the two teams, and you, like you say, for the first half yesterday, Bayern were on top, and they are capable of beating Real Madrid. But I, I don't know, I think... The setback yesterday is just a bit too much. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Yes, a Liverpool Real Madrid final then, uh, provisionally uh, as it stands. Um, quite an exciting prospect. Can I just make a point on that? I'll be really quick. Waste yeah. of time. Um, I was saying to someone recently that if it goes to a Liverpool Real Madrid final, I can see Liverpool freezing because they haven't. Most of those players haven't played in that stage before. And the reputation, it's almost like we were talking about Salah earlier, the reputation of the team, Real Madrid, what they give off, what they give for the final, I can see Liverpool freezing, not playing the way they should. Like they should, like, For example, the way they played against Roma in the first leg. If they played like that against Real Madrid, they would be, at the moment they're a bit, they're a more informed team, a better team in terms of scoring anyway. Um, but I think the occasion would get to Liverpool. I disagree wholeheartedly. I don't think Liverpool would freeze in that. I think they are built of stronger stuff. They are definitely a team now who, under Klopp, who will go out there and whatever the occasion, I think they'll put, perform as well as they can. Not to say that they'll definitely win the final, but I think I disagree that they would freeze on, the, on that occasion. I know. Certainly an, an intriguing prospect. Um, the Champions League is not the only football that has, has, has gone on this week. Or, I mean, off the pitch, there's been obviously a lot of developments. Uh, around Arsenal. Uh, Arsene Wenger is leaving. There's been loads of talk about who the new manager is going to be, uh, what Arsene Wenger is going to be up to next. And uh, to give us an update on that situation, I spoke a little earlier today to the Daily Mirror's chief football writer, John Cross, uh, in a slightly more echoey room than this. You'll be able to, to hear that um, uh, just now. Uh, but here's what Crossy had to say. John Cross, really appreciate you joining us on the Mirror Football Podcast. Um, let's be honest, John, let's start. It must have been a pretty crazy week for you. It, yeah, it has been. I can't uh, pretend it hasn't. Um, I, I, I must say, I was I was thinking really this time last week that he would go at the end of um, the season. 
um, and it was just a question of when when they would sort of kind of come to that conclusion. I must admit that not did I think that they're basically going to announce it last Friday, and and since then obviously it, you know he's had his say. The kind of the club have paid tribute, and everyone's paid tributes, and I think it'll be a really strange next few weeks actually following on from this. Um, whereas I think it would be interesting to see whether Arsenal can galvanise themselves both as, sort of on the pitch and uh, and as a football club moving forward. Yeah, I say obviously the, a lot of the fans have seemed to have. I mean, the ones who were maybe more in the Wenger out brigade seem to have whittled out uh, because obviously maybe they've got what they wanted. Uh, but there does seem to be a bit more of a positive atmosphere around Arsenal. And obviously, going into the Europa League over the next couple of weeks with the semi-finals with Atletico, does it feel like there is a bit more positivity around the club? Yeah, I, I do feel as if the sort of emphasis has, has changed slightly. I was a bit disappointed with the atmosphere, I must say, on um, on Saturday, uh, sorry, on Sunday rather against West Ham, where I felt that sort of the atmosphere in the crowd perhaps didn't really get going until it was four one, and I thought that was a bit of a bit of a shame. But I do feel as if like maybe sort of against Atletico Madrid, then it will be a bit more of a buzz and it will be more lively, um, and I do think therefore it will be. Um, you know, sort of hopefully galvanising that, you know, sort of in that regard. I, I guess also the sort of final home game of the season against Burnley will be will be a sort of an event, I think, and so that will be kind of you know the, the, the day that more uh, sort of fans come and, and, and more fans pay tribute to the manager and for what he's done for the last one two years. I think I think that will be a day. To, to always remember, and I think that will be the day when the fans, particularly the club, also want to pay a, a sort of a rich tribute um, to the manager for everything that he's done. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, been the most successful manager in in Arsenal's history, and one of the greatest managers that the England has has ever seen. And it must be tough for Wenger, obviously, pulling away from the club which he's loved so dearly for so long. Um, do you feel that Wenger is sad about leaving, or is the timing, or maybe does he feel that the timing's right? Yeah, I, it's a really interesting one. That that, that I, it's, it, it was fascinating yesterday that I sort of kind of someone tweeted a sort of a random picture of Wenger um, on, on on the bench from about um, sort of ten, ten years ago, and um, at, at that particular moment, I must say, I, I, he looked so much. It's only ten years, but he looked so much younger than um, than I could possibly ever have remembered. And then I looked at him yesterday. He looked tired. He looked really worn. He looked drained. And I think actually he's probably been like something like a, you know a kind of a car crash for him really in the last in the last week or so. It's really shaking him, I think, to the core. And I do think he looks it, it, it looks as if it's taken this toll. And the strain and the stress I thought you know wore heavy on him yesterday at the press conference before the Atletico Madrid game. And I think I do think it over the next few weeks we'll, we'll sort of kind of see how it how it plays out and how how it's sitting really. But I think it's a sort of going to be a difficult time. I I, I think for him, but I, I personally don't think for a moment that he, no way in the world do I think that he would have wanted to go now. Um, he probably does feel as if he's been forced out. Um, because there's no way I don't think they would ever want to break the contract. This is what he lives for. This is, you know, he gets paid extremely well. He manages the football club. The football club is the love of his life. And then suddenly someone is telling him um, that they're going to change it. And, and, and to that end, I do think he probably feels bruised. But I think the club are doing the right thing, both in terms of changing it and also announcing it now. So I do think in terms of kind of, 
trying to find that sort of middle ground. They're probably doing as best they can at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as Wenger's future is concerned, do, do you expect him to stay in football? Yeah, without doubt. I, I, I really do. I think he's passionate about that. It was funny, during the press conference yesterday, he sort of kind of, there's the broadcast bit of the press conference, which everyone sees, and then with, the, with his newspapers, then see him afterwards and have a chat with him. And I, I was sort of saying to him, you know, because he was talking about maybe sort of the, the strain and kind of how he wants to carry on managing and, you know, talking about sort of other managers having a break. So I said, well, do you think you'd have a year sabbatical? Probably, but bearing in mind he's 68, that would be the answer to that um, as well, because I, I guess it's probably not time time to lose. But he, he immediately sort of looked at me like I was mad and then sort of said, well, I might have a break, but yeah, a month or two might do it, basically, and then started laughing, you know, this guy's addicted. And as he was talking about, kind of, he is an addiction to football and there's no escape and he wants to kind of carry on like that. And I, I, I do feel that the very fact that he was talking about moving to a football club in, within Europe and um, playing European football shows that I think he's got an eye, his eyes on sort of, you know, managing a, a, a big club again. Yeah, great. Um, it would be lovely to see him in, in football in some capacity. Sure. Um, from Arsenal's perspective, obviously they're, they're on the lookout for a new manager. Um, has there been any indication from Arsenal yet that of kind of, first of all, when they're going to um, make an announcement or perhaps who it might be? Well, I, my feeling is that basically they won't rush into it. You won't have a quick decision. Um, I saw Gary Neville saying the other day that basically you would... Um, you could see it in the next week or so. I doubt that. I think it'll be the end of May at the earliest, if I'm honest. Um, I think personally beyond that, I think it will be um, uh, sort of, I, I think the indi- indications that I'm getting is that basically haven't even decided in which direction to go yet, whether well, that's the big name. If they go for the big name, I think it will be probably likelihood is that it's Luis Enrique. If they go for someone a little bit smaller, lower down, then I think that'll be a head coach and someone like Mikel Arteta or, or Patrick Vieira. It's interesting because I do feel that certain people at the club would, would prefer to, to bring in a head coach and bring them into that structure that they've sort of been kept so careful to set up. And I think the structure behind the scenes is in a better place now. And basically, you know, you're talking about Ralph Sanalai as sort of the, the, the head of football operations and head of recruitment, spend this thing chat, and I think as he does himself, you know, and then they've got Spam doing contracts. So I feel that the club has, has got a really good structure now um, and maybe fans in the past weren't sure whether they sort of had the right people to choose the right man. I, I absolutely believe they have now, but it's a question of whether they want to use that structure and then get into place a head coach. And I think that the most fans would probably, you know, have some reservations about kind of Mikel Arteta and sort of standing in the game. But would Patrick Vieira then perhaps be a sort of something of a compromise, if you like, almost to find that kind of the, the populist former player and legend um, up against the kind of, you know, that need for someone young, vibrant and, and someone in contrast because of age and youth and, and kind of their enthusiasm going against Wenger. Lovely stuff. Crossy, really appreciate it as ever for you joining us on the podcast. Really appreciate your insight. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. John Cross there joining us on the Mirror Football Podcast. Arsenal, of course, this weekend take on Manchester United in the Premier League. One of, I say, the Premier League's great fixtures in years gone by. But um, let's, let's be honest, this one, um, there's been really no major build-up to it, has there? It's been uh, United it's comfortably in the top four, can't the title. Arsenal, 
probably going to finish sixth. It's just a bit of a... I don't know, there's not loads and loads to play for, is there? I think their priorities to both sides lie elsewhere, don't they? Um, I'm actually going to this game. But I'm still excited Ooh, about you. going. Get you. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm still excited about going, but you know, this for Arsenal, this game is sandwiched in between two critically important Atletico Madrid legs uh, in the Europa League. Manchester United, I think the top four is essentially sewn up. I mean, mathematically, it's still possible to fall out, but come on, let's face it, they've, they've got that. And it's, it's the FA Cup final for them, isn't it? Um, so for Manchester United, it would be a case of building up towards that. For our Arsene Wenger, obviously he'll play Aubameyang because he can't play in Europa League, but it'll be interesting to see what he does with the rest of the players with Atletico either side of that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, if, it's probably not the... The, the the clash that it might have been at the start of the season had the, had this fixture come, but you know it would still be still be a good game. Yeah, the uh, Ibra would you like to see Wenger obviously come out and be victorious in his final game as Arsenal boss against obviously his greatest rival? I think the obvious answer is yes. I mean, but uh, the thing about this fixture is, as Tom says, you know you looked at it earlier early in the season and thought. Manchester United v Arsenal in the last few weeks of the season, this could be decisive for so many reasons. But unfortunately, yeah, both sides have priorities that lie elsewhere and sort of taking the fizz out of it completely. And um, but ultimately, as a fixture itself, historically, it is it was a big game. But Arsenal's record at Old Trafford is just abysmal. So you know, it's been what three Wenger's won there three times in the league since taking over that in 22 years. I mean, he's won a couple of FA Cup games up there as well. Um, he's actually won as many semi-finals at Old Trafford against Sheffield United, Middlesbrough, and um, uh, the last team escapes me, or Tottenham, <laughs> funny <laughs> enough. Um, yeah, in, he's won as many games in FA Cup semi-finals at Old Trafford as he has beaten Manchester United in the league at Old Trafford. So, you know, it tells you how badly Arsenal performed up there. You know, and um, yeah, it generally always goes the way of Manchester United, despite usually the the huge build-up that surrounds it. So now, with Arsenal in their current predicament against Manchester United, with Mourinho, another another crux, another crutch for Wenger, but basically where I think he's beaten he's beaten Mourinho once in the league in how many times they faced each other. Um, so yeah, all indications point to a Manchester United win, and it's going to be quite dull, I think. Yeah, I hope it's not dull. I say I hope it's. Uh, uh, feisty. Uh, th- th- there is another little aspect of, of, of this game which makes it maybe p- perhaps slightly interesting. That's the fact that it's Alexis Sanchez's first game against Arsenal mm. since leaving Arsenal. Um, how do you reckon he's going to cope with, with the occasion of, of facing his former team? I think he'll be just fine. I don't think he... It's not like he's... I mean, there might be an argument if he was going back to the Emirates with the atmosphere, obviously a bit of hostility held towards him, but I think he'll be absolutely fine. He's... Uh, perfectly experienced enough footballer to, to get on and do the business and a perfectly good enough footballer to get on a show that he can do the business as well. Eber, yeah, um, um, would you be disappointed if Alexis Sanchez scores a great goal and yeah. goes running away, kissing the badge? And... No, absolutely not. He's, enti- he's a footballer, isn't he? He's entitled to do what's best for him in his career. I mean... You know, you trying to get over these things. You know, when it happens so often, you see your 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 favourite players go and play for rival clubs. You just think, well, you know, it's hard to really have any emotion towards it. You know, as an Arsenal yeah. fan, do you feel like your squad is has benefited from Sanchez's 
Um, the Arsenal team that Alexis Sanchez left were in contention for a top four finish, had were defending FA Cup holders, and you know had you know a bit of a future ahead of them. Uh, the team he's left are now currently in six, battling to stay above Burnley. So you tell me. Yeah. That's about it. Um, oh, as, <laughs> I say, if you actually look at the table, you mentioned Burnley there. There, there is a bit of a cushion now that Arsenal have, um, to given uh, recent results. There is now four points between Arsenal and Burnley, and Arsenal actually have a game in hand as well. So Arsenal should finish sixth. Um, I mean, it'd be crazy if 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 they didn't. Um, Arsenal and Burnley still have to play each other. Which is interesting. That will be Wenger's final well, home game. I mean, this is the thing. You say Arsenal should be safe, but an, another thing that I didn't mention in well, Arsenal facing Manchester United, Old Trafford, Arsenal's away form. It just absolutely just abjects this year. You know, we all know the stat about having picking up no points in 2018 away from home. Two more away games: um, Manchester United and Leicester. Arsenal could conceivably lose both those games and have to face Burnley, as you say. If I mean that's at the Emirates, so you'd think Arsenal would be okay, but. If Burnley have something to play for, yeah. you know, uh, Burnley could come out and spring a surprise there. And, you it. know, that's three games out of four lost, the mm. final four lost, and then Huddersfield away on the final game of the season. Yeah. So that's another away game. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah, I was say, remember Burnley's exceptional away record as well from mm. the start of the season. Yeah. Um, they, they're, um, they were just picking up points left, right, and centre. And to be fair, still are. Mm. Still, still are doing it. Um, recently won five games on the bounce. Um, just on this fixture, finally, from Manchester United's perspective, um, Jose Mourinho mentioned after the FA Cup semi-final against Tottenham that he feels there's been too much criticism of his team. They've been too harshly treated by the media um, in one one respect. And he basically went, "We're second in the league. We've made a cup final. Why we? Why we? Why is this season being classed as a failure? As such, is is this game important now for him to be able to reiterate that point? And because obviously, if they were to go and lose to Arsenal." It just brings it all back on Mourinho, and it's the inconsistencies that have failed them. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, I think he's got a point. To be honest, I think he's he's very valid in his point. I think if you look at where the squad were last season, sixth in the league to second, huge improvement. The FA Cup's a, a step up on the League Cup. Uh, Champions League knockout stages. I mean, yeah, sure, we went out for the last sixteen, but it's still an improvement to be in the Champions League knockout stages as opposed to the Europa League knockout stages. So. I think his point is very valid. Um, where if he loses this match, does it? I don't think it makes too much of a difference. I think people, if people think that way, they're going to think that way regardless. Um, obviously, from you know, he's a winner. He'll want to win this game regardless. As will Manchester United's players. As will Alexis Sanchez. He wants to make a point against his former club. So um, this game will always be a must-win for United, as is every Premier League game. I just think um, I think Manchester City's superiority this season, who could potentially finish with a record number of Premier League points and probably will um, have just made everyone else look really bad. It's difficult to say with Manchester United because, you know, on paper, yeah, the results to be second and win the FA Cup look great. But the fact of the matter is there have been many games this season, particularly early on, even when Manchester United have won, where they just looked unconvincing and top players just not performing to the level that you think that they should do. And... You know, yes, Manchester City have been fantastic, but you, you would have expected a bit of a better challenge from Manchester United over the course of a season. And, well, that's 
just how I feel, and I think that's where a lot of people feel, and that's why the criticisms have come in for Jose Mourinho. Not to say he's done a bad job, because like I say, the results show that actually, yes, as Tom says, there's been a massive improvement on last season, and if there's an improvement next season, who knows, they could be champions, but I think it's a lot to do with just the perceptions of underperforming in certain games, certain big games, going away from home and that sort of thing, so yeah. Yeah. Um, I say we'll we'll have a quick look as well at the rest of the Premier League fixtures uh, this weekend. Um, the fixtures start off on Saturday lunchtime with Liverpool. Obviously, we've spoken about in in great detail. They host Stoke. Um, troubling times for Stoke. Um, they uh, basically have three games left, and they could do with winning all three. I think that's a, a, a fair a fair assessment. Oh yeah, I mean they they go on if they don't. I think they have to. I mean, but they're they're poor, aren't they? Let's face it, they're they're struggling. I think they're down. I mean, I can't really give them any hope. I mean, I know Liverpool may rest some players, but I still can't see anything other than a Liverpool win. Um, I'm sorry, Stoke. Yeah, Yeah. I I entirely agree with that. Um, The thing is, with a team like Stoke, I don't know, I think Stoke are quite actually well-run for, despite what's happened on the pitch this season. I think they're actually quite a well-run club, and not to say that relegation is ever good for anyone. I mean, we've seen what's happening with Sunderland now. Um, but I think Stoke would be OK if they go down. I think yeah, one of those teams, they can bounce straight back. So relegation will not be the end of the world for them, I don't think. So. No, I think I agree with that. Because obviously there has been this now trend of clubs that mm. do plummet, maybe not one relegation, but you know, a yeah. few. Obviously Blackburn went down, struggled, yeah. gone down again. Wigan oh, bouncing around. Wigan yeah. and yeah. Sunderland, obviously, of course. Um, yeah, I, I think I agree with that, that Stoke probably won't be one of them clubs. Um be interesting to see what happens, though. Um, also, this weekend, uh, if we'll start with, with the other relegation game. Uh, Southampton are at home to Bournemouth. Um, Southampton pretty much need to treat this one like uh, a cup final. Um, they're on exactly the same points as Stoke. They're arguably in worse form than Stoke, look like they're going to score less goals. Um, they need a win. They need a win so badly. They've only won five games all season. Um, That's an incredible statistic, <laughs> isn't it? Um, yeah, they do. You're right. Um, it's the South Coast clash, isn't it? They'll, they'll be up for this one regardless. Um, but, the, yeah, they have to. And Mark Hughes will will need them. They, they put a really flat display against Chelsea. Um, I, I don't even think Chelsea played that well against Southampton. It was like a very routine... 2-0 win um, Southampton strangely I give them, uh, despite them being on the same points I give them more of a chance than Stoke if they can get a win and rally something then I think they might have a chance obviously it depends on if those above lose etc but yeah you're right it's, they, I mean, they have no choice but to treat every game uh, for the rest of the season as a cup final I think the killer blow for Southampton was the Chelsea League game the previous week when they were 2-0 up and the better side for you know, they were the better side, and then somehow managed to conspire to throw it all away. And I think mentally, when you're down there, results like that could, you know, you almost can't come back from those. You know, it's such a such a horrible killer blow. And then with other teams around them winning, I think Palace won that weekend. They beat Brighton in there, and weird derby. And um, yeah, so that <laughs> is a weird derby. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that sort of the hammer blow for Southampton, and I think. You know, Hughes is going to have to do a job to pick them up from that because yeah. they'll still be thinking about that despite having the distraction of the FA Cup last weekend. I think yeah, that result 
her with yeah. her. Uh, I say the team that both Southampton and Stoke need to lose is Swansea. Uh, pretty much Swansea are the closest team to them, uh, four points ahead at the moment. Swansea play Chelsea at uh, the 5.30pm kickoff. Um, Swansea, interesting um, with them because they seem to be picking up draws but not wins. But at this point, you feel like it might just be enough to, to keep them up. Swansea could beat Chelsea. I mean, it's not. I'm not saying it will, it's a guarantee that it's always oh, a nails-on-home win, but... At the Liberty Stadium this season, they beat in Liverpool and they beat in Arsenal. And Chelsea are, you know, despite making the cup final, not exactly in have had not exactly been in the best form all season. So I can imagine, you know, that's kind of one you'd see a potential maybe one nil Swansea or so. Yeah, yeah. I so, say uh, we'll quickly, quickly just fly through the rest of the fixtures. Uh, Saturday 3 p.m. games: Burnley against Brighton, Crystal Palace against Leicester, Huddersfield versus Everton. Newcastle versus West Brom. Uh, we then move on to Sunday. Uh, the early Sunday kickoff is West Ham versus Manchester City. And when I say early, that's at two fifteen as opposed to half one. What time do you get out of bed? Um, well, early. Yeah, well, early, <laughs> early enough. <laughs> it's a Sunday. So it's a Sunday. Everybody likes to have a lion on a Sunday. Uh, but then West Ham versus City will be followed by Manchester United versus Arsenal. Then on to Monday night. Uh, where Tottenham will look to obviously strengthen their top four position when they host Watford. So very quickly on Tottenham, um, there's been apologies given to Harry Kane left, right and centre uh, this week because of a, a string of jokes. But, I mean, what, for me, what, what are they apologising for? I mean, just for, if anybody's not heard of this situation, at the PFA Awards, um, the chairman of the PFA, Ben Perkis, um, made a joke about Harry Kane, basically went, oh, he's so prolific, he can score without even touching the ball. Uh, there was also an FA Cup tweet uh, from the official FA Cup account um, after the game last week, where they basically went, put, said, oh, uh, Chris, uh, referring to Chris Smalling, what's that in your pocket? And it was a video of Chris Smalling saying, Harry Kane, from an old interview. Um, Harry Kane has been apologised to by the FA, by the PFA, Surely, I mean, just grow a pair. Take the joke. Am, am I being harsh on Harry no, Kane no, there? No, 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 not at all. I think um, it's absolutely ridiculous that we're talking about this. I mean, the fact that people are talking about how, um, how Ben Perkins could lose his job over that joke, it's, it was, it's not an offensive joke. It's not racist, sexist or anything like that. It was a gag made at Harry Kane's expense, obviously, but... Harry Kane isn't the first footballer that people have taken a mick out of for whatever reason. And um, so it wasn't even, it's not even anything to do with Harry Kane's footballing ability. It was just something that, because of that whole incident with the goal and trying to claim that, I mean, surely that's fair game. When he put, he put himself out there to be yeah. shot at yeah. by I, trying to claim that goal, surely. I, it was, I mean, it was a bad joke, uh, the, the tweet, but it's just, ah, it's just a joke, man. I mean, come I, on. I actually found the FA Cup tweet quite hilarious. I actually, I actually, I actually thought it was, you know, it, it's hmm. funny. It's, it's what social media is right now. The joke at the PFA Awards. I've, I've been to a few dinners and stuff before. I've not been to the PFA Awards, hmm. but you know, they are. You do like to have a joke. You do want to have a, a I mean, somebody who makes a topical. I mean, what, not that it makes things, things okay, but like I say, when it comes to things like jokes and at dinners and like you may have attended, you've heard worse. Have you yeah, not? yeah, absolutely. You've certainly hard work. Right, so let's, yeah. let's try and put this into perspective. These people are, I guess, in, in important roles, so they should not be making these sort of jokes. I guess is the reason behind this, right? 
you know, obviously he hears much worse at a football grounds when he plays in week in, week out. But like these people are human at the same time, aren't they? And it's just it's just a laugh. It's not offensive, as you said. It, I mean, it might have been a bit cheesy, but I mean, come on, it, it, come on. It, it, it's come on it's now. for me. It's annoying that people who like Ben Perkis, who's in obviously a reasonably well-respected role, just can't have a sense of humour. Because for me, that's all it was. It was a bit of a sense of humour, and it was a topical gag. And the the fact that, as we say, uh, there's been apologies. I, I'm yeah. just. Um, I'm pretty baffled. I mean, like, this is the thing. I mean, to, we're going to get into it. There are genuine reasons to be angry at the FA or the PFA. You know, there are things that go on that people should really channel their sort of anger towards. But a couple of jokes is, you know, come on, like inoffensive jokes. You know, these like these aren't they, they haven't crossed the line or anything like that. They're not harmful. You know, I just yeah. don't think. I, I just feel mad that we're talking about it. To be honest, yeah, it yeah, doesn't really warrant however long we've just spent all this. <laughs> well, in that case, so we will move on, um, say very, very briefly, just before we finish, uh, the championship um, promotion race is pretty much coming to um, its conclusion. Cardiff, this weekend, can secure promotion officially, but it will take Fulham losing to Sunderland, and we all know that Sunderland are a pretty rubbish football team this season. So, um, yeah, it, it, it might not happen. Uh, just to run you through the scenario, if, if you're not yeah. aware... Cardiff and Fulham both have two games left to play. Cardiff are one point ahead. Uh, this weekend, Fulham face off at home against Sunderland. This is on Friday night. Uh, Sunderland, of course, already relegated. Um, and Cardiff play at Hull on Saturday afternoon. And then next weekend, the final games for the two, Cardiff against Reading and Birmingham versus Fulham. Um, just very quickly from you guys on what you've um, seen of the Championship this season... It's coming down to the wire. Who do we think is going to go up between Cardiff and Fulham? Oh, very good question. Fulham are carrying all the form, aren't they? Let's face it, the, the, the second half of the, the season they've had has been nothing short of amazing. Um, incredible. And they did very well, I thought, as well, um, getting uh, Mitrovic in because he's hit the ground running. Um, and we've all seen what Sessignon's done since switching up to left wing. Um they're carrying the better form. It just depends if Cardiff can hold the bottle to get the results because obviously the, the, they have the advantage of the point, don't they? So they're in a statistically much better position to, to secure it. Um, it's just whether they can hold their nerve. It's tough. It is so tough to call. So tough. Yeah. I think the big thing with Cardiff is they had the blip when they lost the Wolves in that crazy game and then they lost to Villa as well. And um, It was Villa, wasn't it? They lost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I think if they'd have lost on Tuesday when they faced Derby, you know, though they did lose to Derby, yeah, so yeah. that's what I say. It, losing to Derby was what, you know, they are still in that blip, and they really need to get out of it when they face Hull on at the weekend. So if they don't do that, then you know, Fulham will just, I think, Fulham will take them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I say I think I'm with you on that. I say I was hoping to get our our office Fulham fan. Uh, our resident Fulham fan Jake Polder onto this podcast. See, there you go. Podcast. He wanted to get someone else. But, um, the, yeah. No, no. I mean, didn't want, Jake's only ever been on one podcast. One podcast. You guys have been on a few. All right. Yeah, well, all right. But um, no. But I wanted to. I wanted to get him on to talk about Fulham. But um, he's he's not here. He, he's not here. I think he's. I think he's he's, he's missed us today. Um, but hopefully we'll get him to on next week uh, when we will look at the exact scenario because. Hopefully, it will come down to the way. It probably will. And if you look at those fixtures as well, both 
Gardas and Fulham are facing potential teams, uh, potential relegation teams. Yeah. Um, obviously, depending on results this weekend, but that that would be that'd be crucial if 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 Birmingham need a win to stay up. You know, that's going to be very hard for Fulham to go away and get a win there. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, that will also play a factor, but obviously we'll only know that next week. But on the flip side of that, if both teams are safe, you know, this weekend could be even more could be more crucial than the final weekend mm. because, you know, if Cardiff are at home to a ready safe Reading and Birmingham say they're resting players when they face Fulham, it's potentially three points for both sides, but so it'll probably come down to what happens this weekend. So if Cardiff drop points this mm. week and Fulham leapfrog ahead after presumably beating Sunderland then, yeah, good, well, that final day could be all in for the all for Fulham. Yeah, well, I so said we'll talk a little bit more about the Championship next week on the podcast. Um, hopefully, anyway, there will still be a title race to be run uh, going into the final weekend. Not title race, sorry, a promotion race. Wolves are, w- Wolves have been long gone, I say, with the uh, with the Don't title. take that away from them now. No, no, no. So you know someone won't be happy if you yeah, yeah, yeah. fan in the office will the... be very disappointed. <laughs> Don't acknowledge the fact that they're the greatest team since, well, ever. You, you should have seen him on, on last week's podcast when I, I said to him, uh, this is Alex Richards for anyone listening who was on last week's podcast, and I, and I went, Alex, I'm going to give you a chance. Tell us what we can expect from Wolves in the Premier League next season. And the smile on his face... When he when he went and he didn't shut up for about ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, genuinely, yeah, he, he thinks the, uh, he thinks the sort of top half finish, doesn't he? He really believes it's in the top half. Yeah, no, he, he he's adamant that it's it, it's doable. I, I to be honest, I, I don't disagree. No, no, I don't no. disagree. It's doable given how average a lot of the Premier, of the League, Premier League has been this season. Uh, but anyway, guys, thank you. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank, thank you. you very much. Um, if you do not subscribe to us already, uh, you can do on iTunes, on Spotify. And on Acast, uh, say our, our, our new provider for the podcast, uh, on any of them platforms, you can uh, obviously like, subscribe, and give us a nice rating. Uh, it would be very, very much appreciated if you could give us a rating of some kind. Um, but yeah, until next week, enjoy all of the action, and we will see you next Thursday.